So it's just an, uh, great, great, uh, a great series that we're busy with. It's called Red Flags. Uh, the first, time, first s- sermon we spoke about Red Flags and Me, um, my, about my relationship with God. The second one was Red Flags in Marriage. And, uh, t- and, and today we're going to talk about Red Flags in Dating. And we're going to cover somewhat of, you know, singlehood season. And for those of you who are, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the process of stepping into relationships, this is probably something that's going to speak to your life. Um, it's also going to speak to a bunch of young people's lives, I believe, uh, to help you get the right frame of mind and the right frame of heart to eventually be able to ha- have healthy relational life. Um, our relationships are so, if, 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 you know, um, impactful in our, in, our, in, our, in our lives. If your relationships are bad, you probably have a rough life. Um, relationships make out a huge part of the well-being of our lives. And so we get, we, we've called this red flags because red flags in general are like a warning sign, right? When you see a red flag at the beach, you know that you're not supposed to be swimming. Um, if you're a surfer, it invites you to come out because it's the best waves possible during red flag, uh, red flag time. Um, but nonetheless, most often red flags are, you know, a warning sign. In, in, in motor racing, when there's a red flag, you know, something went horribly wrong. And it's probably better for you to slow down than to get involved in the crash yourself as well. Right? <laughs> a red flag is a heads up of potential danger. It signals that there's a problem that needs to be taken care of. Um, and if you don't then, you know, Proverbs 27 says something about that. It says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. But a simpleton, or another translation says, a fool just goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. We don't want to be fools, but so often uh, we're not fools in intention, but we're fools in practice uh, because we just, you know, head straight into what we know probably uh, intuitively or sometimes because somebody actually explicitly warned us you shouldn't get involved in that you shouldn't you know be you you should take care of that first before you you know go forward um, and so we want to we want to heed the wisdom of scripture and so today we're going to look at some of the the wisdoms from scripture that relates to our single life and our dating life now this is a disclaimer quickly uh, this does if you're married this does not give you permission to now go judge your wife or your husband okay uh, and and, and, and go like, oops, I made a mistake, I need to get out. No, you've, you've, you've put the ring on, you have to go listen to last week's sermon, okay? <laughs> if you think this is a moment for you to go and think twice about your marriage, that's a red flag, all right? So <laughs> go listen to last week's sermon if you see, because there might be some of these principles that you have, you know, uh, not, not been aware of, and, and you may, may, may have made some of these mistakes heading into your relationship. It's okay. The grace of God is there for you to work through that now that you are married. Uh, A great mentor of mine always used to say, and this is a a word for all the young people, before marriage or before you get married, and if everybody who is not married heading into marriage, before marriage, keep your eyes wide open. After marriage, you have to squint a little. But it's true, before marriage, don't, don't, don't justify things that shouldn't be justified. Don't excuse things that should rather be heeded and looked at, okay? Before you make that very important step of marriage, because stepping into marriage is not just like stepping into a date. There is a very, very different commitment and a very different responsibility that you're saying yes to. But today we're going to talk about red flags and dating. And so I want to mention the first red flag, which would be this. 
when you have to be in a relationship to feel complete, that is a major red flag. A major red flag. Now, we cannot talk about relationships without talking about identity, and especially in this point. The reason why you do not feel complete is probably because of a lack of God identity in your life. Now, I know the scripture says that God made man and woman and that it's not good for man to be alone. But the scripture does not say that man completes, woman completes man. That's Top Gun. Or what's that, that, that movie with Tom Cruise? You complete me. No, uh, you do not complete anybody. Jesus completes us. What's the, what's the movie's name? Oh my goodness, I was way off. <laughs> it's probably because I never watched the actual movie. I just know <laughs> the quote from somewhere. Um, and then, <clears throat> so, so we need to understand that marriage is a multiplication sum. It's not an addition sum. In marriage, if you multiply a half by a half, you get even less in math. And it's the same in marriage. If you're not nearing completion... Getting somebody else is not going to complete you better. You need to work at yourself to be complete as possible in Christ before you go on and say yes in marriage. So in the first message, we spoke about making Jesus a center of our lives, and it's for this very reason. Because until Jesus is the center of your life, everybody else will be in the wrong place. I mentioned the fact that my wife is awesome at being a wife, but she's terrible at being a God. And some of us make our spouses our God. We worship them. We adore them. We serve them. We lay our lives down for them. Our lives circle around them, and that's not healthy. While your life, no matter if you're married, needs to circle around Jesus, but certainly before you get married, your life needs to be centered and based on Jesus Christ for your identity, but not just your identity, but also for understanding what you're here to do. It's only when the creation asks its creator what it was made for that it gets the answer it was longing for. And it's it's very, very careful that, important that we understand that almost anybody can tell you what you can be used for, but only God can tell you what you were made for. And so often when you look at people to find identity and to find val value, you will be used for something. But when you look to God for identity and value, He will tell you what you were made for. Proverbs 4 verse 20 to 23 says this. Listen, son of mine, to what I say. Listen carefully. Keep these thoughts ever in mind. And he speaks to the daughters as well. Let these words penetrate deep within your heart, for they will mean real life to you and radiant health. Above all else, guard your affections, for they influence everything else in your life. You are more than what a, a relationship partner tells you you are. You are not what that boy thinks of you or what that girl thinks of you. You are way more than that. God has defined you as a unique individual with value intrinsically because you were made in His image. 
right? You are unique, special, and here's the thing, you're also necessary. It is necessary for you to be here right now. It's not just optional, oh, I happen to be. No, you were supposed to be right now, supposed to live here, in this age, in this town. He has a plan for you, and you know what? He made you exactly how you are because that suits his plan for you best. And so often we will look at ourselves and we will be self-judgmental, self-critical, not realizing it's that very unique thing that God has created in me and you to be that is designed for the purpose that he has made you for. And the fact is that you will actually not understand fully the purpose until you accept the creation. You have to start appreciating who God made you to be before you start realizing the value of what God created you to be. That will actually help other people around you as well. God has a great, incredible plan for your life. And He need, and He's made you exactly how He needs you. When you are young, you have to still discover who you are. But unfortunately, I think in our society, people are growing up so identity-less because of the fact that they want to be completed through relationships that many people rarely grow up really truly understanding who they are. They always see themselves in light of another person's opinion or value of them. That's a red flag, everybody. And even if you are in a relationship now and you find yourself only understanding your value and your worth based on who you are to your partner, that's a red flag. That means that when you were single, you didn't take the time to really understand who you were and what you were here for. And this is why it's so important that if you're in a, t a season of singlehood, whether that's you're young or you're single for whatever reason again, it's an incredible opportunity for you to take time and figure out who you are and why you're here. And so I want to encourage you to, if, if, you have a, if you have an intrinsic draw towards just getting into a relationship, I want to be in a relationship, you have to ask yourself, why is that? Because there's a place of reaching contentment in your heart and in your life without being in a relationship that actually, actually prepares you for relationship. Remember I said if you're married, this is not a, <laughs> a time for you to go, oh, I wish I was single again. No, 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 no. God will give you grace and wisdom how to come to the same place of identity in Him while you're inside of this commitment and this covenant that you have made. But let me speak to people that are, especially young people today. You know what? There's the one, number one thing that stops you from discovering everything about who you are? It's wanting to be something that somebody else likes. That's the number one thing that stops young people from discovering who they are. They want to jump into a relationship so fast. Why? Because I'm only valid. I'm only, only, you know, I only count if I'm in a relationship. No, that's baloney. You count because God made you. You're valid because God decided you needed to be here right now. Do you know why you need to be here right now? That's a deep question that you have to settle in your heart before you ever start wondering about a boy or a girl liking you or not. Does God like what your life is building up towards and where your life is headed towards? That's the first question you have to ask yourself. 
That's why I saw of Solomon 8 verse 4. It's a, like a conversation um, a, a, a chapter and, and, and the man speaks and the woman speaks. And, and here's what the woman says. She says, oh, woman of Jerusalem, promise me, promise not to wake love. Don't excite my feelings of love until I'm ready. And so this, this lady is speaking to her lady friends. And let me tell you this, if you have friends that are just egging you on about, you know, uh, wanting you to find out what boy likes you, that, those are not good friends. The good friends are those going to be egging you on. It's like, what does God think about this? Who does God say you are? And what has God revealed to you is your life about? And like this woman, you need to appeal to your friends. Don't talk about boys right now. I want to figure out who I am. Don't talk about girls right now. I want to figure out who God made me to be and what is planned for my life. And I want to get busy preparing for that so that I will be a healthy and great guy to one day meet a lady and lead her into the presence of God and into the purposes of God that he has for both of us. Come on now. So the question might be, when are you ready to get into a serious relationship? I would say when you, are re when you really, really understand who you are and why you are here. And you've started walking toward that. And I'm not saying that then, then you need to kind of like, okay, I'm ready. Now I need to stop doing everything that I'm doing and start looking for a man. No, it's in doing what you are doing and called to do that God will bring your path with somebody that he's linking you to. And so it's an, a pursuit of him and his purpose for your life that lines you up to get ready to be a purpose partner for somebody else. So don't awaken love before it's ready. You know, there's that movie. I'm into the movies today. Um, I think this one is correct. It's called Runaway Bride, right? And so the, the, here's, a, here's one of the quotes from one of that movie. The guy is having an argument with the woman because she's like everywhere. She's just, you know, guy after guy after guy. And he says, you're so lost, you don't even know what kind of eggs you like. He says, with a priest, you wanted scrambled eggs. And with the deadhead, it was fried eggs. And with the bug guy, evidently there was a guy that, you know, uh, some kind of like, you know, scientist. It was poached eggs. And, 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 and now it's like egg whites only. And then she rebuts. She says, well, that's called changing your mind. And he says, no, 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 no. That's not having a mind of your own. You need to understand who you are based on what you are and what you like. Not based on the fact that the other person that you're interested in likes that. What kind of eggs you like? It's a metaphor for saying, who are you? When you're not in a relationship and staying true to who that is, is fundamental in having a healthy relationship. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's something about understanding that my life belongs to God because of the sacrifice that he made for me and the fact that I've put my trust in that 
to guide my heart and guide my life toward eternity. That if I will stay true to that, I will understand who I am. And I won't be thrown around by all sorts of interests and things that are not me. I remember there was, when I was, when I was in varsity, there was a, there was a, um, a girl that I started liking. And, 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 but she was like heavily into sports. Now, I, I liked sport, don't get me wrong, but I wasn't like the, you know, the get up at four and go run kind of guy. Right? And here I found myself wanting to be the get up at four and go run kind of guy. And I remembered how that, I, 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 I convinced myself I could do it. I convinced myself I could do it. After a while, I realized I can't do this. <laughs> it's not what I am. It was an important moment for me to realize, that's not the kind of woman I want to one day have my whole life. Who are you? Who are you in Christ? Who is Christ through you to other people? And are you convicted about that to the point where that will not shift you when someone comes knocking and showing interest? So, so, so important. Knowing who you are and walking in your purpose will actually put you in places naturally where you could meet somebody who would be complementary to you living out God's calling on your life. And you becoming complementary to their calling too. It's not going to be a constant pull away from God's purposes for you. Red flag number two. When you have to live on plan B until your plan A arrives. Now I think this one probably is going to be more relevant to women. But be careful if you're a single man. Because you might fall into this trap as well. I actually have a number of single lady and single men friends. Um, they're as old as I am and they've never been married. Um, and I don't know of any of them that took a vow of celibacy. Right? It's, it's a vow that says I'm, I don't want to ever get married. Okay? I promise to never get married. Some people do that um, because they believe it's holy uh, in service to God. None of them have done that. One may, may have for a season, but it wasn't an everlasting, definitely not an everlasting thing. Right? I noticed that she, she wants to get married, right? But here's the thing that I see in all of their lives. They're busy on God's purpose for their life. One's leading a Bible school. One's planning churches overseas. One is um, pursuing a dream of performing arts. One is um, living at large as a, as, a, as a school teacher in international schools. They're all living out their dreams, their goals, their purposes. They're, they did not wait around until they found the man or the woman that they were going to do that with until they started doing that. And here's the thing, are they alone at times? Yes. Do they wish they had somebody? Yes. Are they depressed, lonely, purposeless, bitter, or angry at God? No, no, no. They're not. Why not? Because they didn't wait for plan A to arrive before they start living out their purpose. John 15 verse 16 says this, You did not choose me. But I chose you that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. 
so, what, that, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You see, you and each, and of, each of us were chosen by God for this time to be here, to live out a purpose that he had planned way before for us to, to live in. And, and, and that is not dependent on another human being's interaction on in your life. You were chosen. Here's the problem with waiting for plan A. It's dependent on people. It's dependent on human beings. So what if that human being makes a mistake and he never comes? What will your whole life have been about? Waiting around. Your life would have been probably unfulfilled, depressed, disappointed, even angry at God. Because you didn't get that starting point that you thought you needed. No, your starting point is in the call of God on your life. Not in somebody asking you to marry them. But let me turn this around to clarify this point even further. What if plan A had nothing to do with which human you spend your life with, but everything to do with how you spend your life with God? You see, we think we're waiting for plan A. No, plan A is waiting for you. You can start with plan A right now. Because plan A is not dependent on any other human being. Let me make this real clear. You were created in Christ for good. You know, it says, you are, uh, Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were even close to being in a relationship, God chose you and created you in Christ for good works. That means you were created in Christ. You, don't, you weren't created in marriage or in romance. You were created in Christ for good works. That means the minute you met Jesus, you collided with your destiny. The minute you became a part of a people, you, just, you started stepping into a place of discovering what that might be. When you start serving other people, you release your purpose. I always say this, you're not walking in your purpose until people around you start benefiting from your presence. You don't need anybody in your life to start benefiting people around you. In the way that you were made, in the way that you love to do life. So assuming that you've understood who you are outside the context of another person and understood why you are here, you can actually live a completely fulfilled and satisfied life, fulfilling God's goals without being in a relationship. And here's the great thing. God knows the desire of your heart. And He will respond to it. He will respond to it. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And sometimes when the timing isn't exactly how I thought it would be, it makes me wonder. That's when you've got to realize that the creator of this universe, He's not a man that He should lie. And He will respond to your desire. I recommend a book um, called Remember the Roses. It's a little girly, okay? Uh, but get your wife to read it to you if, if you need to, um, or, or a friend or a something. 
But the bottom line of the book is a lady who waited. Who waited, faithfully serving God's purpose for her life. And then, at the right time, God joined her to a man. And the testimony of what it released in her life and through their union has literally, literally impacted the world. They're leading churches. They're fighting uh, child trafficking together in, in a nonprofit organization. They are incredible leaders. But she was serving God's purpose in her life and not waiting around for somebody to come and press start because she knew who she was in Christ and that he had pressed start the minute that he called her, the minute that he saved her. So let me say this. If you don't feel complete, don't seek for a relationship. Seek God's identity for yourself and seek God's purpose for your life because that's going to bring you to contentment. And that'll, help you, that'll activate you to not live on plan B the whole time. But start living an absolutely fulfilled life, reaching the purposes of God and, and, and bringing the kingdom of God to earth like you were called to do. I'm hoping that through today you realize how valid you are aside from being in a relationship, that each human being has a calling that's unique to them. And marriage should amplify both individuals' callings, not make one person die to everything that God had called them to be and who God called them to be, just so that the other person might be propped up. Last week we talked about pursuing each other. I made it my life's mission to make sure that my wife's calling does not fall into the shadow of the tree that I'm growing. We're equally pursuing our callings and I make space for her calling to grow aside, besides mine. That means that sometimes I've probably been less effective. That means that I probably sometimes had to stop and slow down. But I believe that's godly. I believe that's God's intention. Has always been. The third red flag. I'm going to rush through, go through this one quickly. I hope so. When you have to compromise obedience to God or your values, that's a, just to get someone, that's a huge red flag. Would you agree? I mean, you find a guy and he's great and you know, then you realize he's not a born-again child of God. Red flag. There's nothing easy that's going to come from that. I just spoke about your spouse having to champion your calling. How the heck is a non-Christian going to champion a Christian calling in your life? You cannot marry a non-Christian. They will not understand what your life is about. They will want your life to be about them and not about Jesus. And it'll cause intense conflict and eventual a lot of hurt. Don't compromise your obedience to God for what you deem to be a good purpose. The end don't justify the means. 
God is a holy God, and so the process needs to be as holy as the product. In fact, for the product to be holy, the process has to be holy too. That's why in the Old Testament there were so many protocols. When the, when the priests came and they, they would come into the temple, there was protocol. You had to do this first. You have to wash there first. You have to offer this up there. Then you have to go to this place over here before you can step through this curtain. When you're in this curtain, then you have to do this couple of steps before you are qualified to step into the holiest of holiest where you're supposed to do what you're supposed to be doing. Sacrifice the offering and, and, and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat so that the, 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 the nation's sin would be forgiven. You know what they had? They had... They had ropes around their legs and little bell tassels on the end of their robes. And that rope would go all the way to the outer court. Why? Because if they missed a step and God happened to judge them and strike them dead and the bell would go silent, somebody would come and just pull them out. Because if they would try and go in there to try and just get the guy out, guess what would happen to them too? They'd need another rope. There's protocol in the kingdom of God. Because the process makes the product holy. Don't think that you can, you can cut corners in the relationship leading up to and then just trust God, oh, He will bless it anyways. But let me tell you, He will walk with you and He will help you as much as He can, but your decisions will have consequences and He will not take those consequences away. It's a part of this life. He has committed to it. Now, he can help you through it. He can help you endure. And, and sometimes we, 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 we don't want to take responsibility for our decisions, right? So we find ourselves in a situation and we go, God, why am I in this situation? And God goes, yes, why are you in this situation? Let's talk about that real quick. Well, I pray that you take me out of this situation. Well, you should have prayed that before you made the decision to get into the situation. God is not magic. God has, has, has principles. And God says in His own word that He has placed His word above Himself. That means God will not go against His own word. The minute He says something, it becomes a law unto Himself. He will not compromise His law unto Himself. He will not compromise His word. He compromises integrity and immediately everything He says is tainted. And He's no longer holy and perfect. That means when he says that they'll be sowing and reaping in this world, it means that you will make decisions that are against him and you will bear the consequences. And if you find yourself in a difficult circumstance, cry out for the mercy of God to help you maintain and manage it. Don't blame him for not taking you out of it. And he will help you and he will bring life to you. He will bring grace to you. He will bring favor to you. But it's something that you're going to deal with for the rest of this life because you chose it. I know this is hard to hear, but this is why it's so important that when you're single and not married yet, and trust me, I mean, when I mean single, I mean not married. All right? You can be in a relationship, but until this isn't there, you're not married. You're still in a process of getting married. You're not in covenant until you've cut covenant. And this is what God blesses. God blesses covenant because he's a covenant 
God. And he expects of us no less to think like covenantal thinking. And so people who try to reform the terms of relationships and the terms of marriage and all that, I'm sorry, this is his terms. And it's a law unto himself. He will not compromise and he will not accommodate anything else, even if culture changes or if convenience dictates that it should be happened, or even if crisis dictates that it needs to happen. No. This is his rule. Don't compromise obedience to God because you think the end will just, oh, we're going to get married anyway, so it's okay to have sex now. No, it's not. You're not in covenant yet. God is holy and the process wants to be, he needs the process to be uh, the same for the product to be holy. let 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 me say this. If you find yourself in a situation where this isn't true of you, the grace of God is there to give you an opportunity to correct it, to change it, to make decisions now to step back into his purpose, to step back into his plan, to step back into his design, to step back into his order. That's why we said Jesus first, Jesus be the center of our lives. What must I do? I don't know. What is your situation? Let's talk. Let's have a conversation about that. Let's see what it is that you have to do to bring God's kingdom order back into your relationship, into your situation. Because he certainly has a path for you to take that leads back to his, his plan for your life, that leads back to, to, to life, peace, joy, everything that you want in the kingdom of God. But don't compromise because of convenience or because of crisis or because of anything. I talk about obedience. Let's talk about values. You find a guy and he's great, but you realize he has a drinking problem. That's a red flag. It's not your job to change him. You find a girl and she's great, but you realize she's a flirt. That's a red flag. You find a guy and he's great, but you realize he expects everything from you, but he's not willing. He's very selective in what he gives back. Red flag. How about this one? You find a girl and she's great, but you realize she has critical debt up to the ceiling. Red flag. And I'm mixing the genders up, but all of these apply to both. So don't get all whatever on me. You find a guy and he's great, but you realize he has another lady friend who is his best friend. Red flag. Missionary dating is not in the Bible. You are not called to date him out of his addiction. You are called to direct him to a facility. You're not called to date a non-Christian person. You're called to share the gospel with them and invite them to follow Jesus. No strings attached. No package deals. You take Jesus, you get me thrown in with a deal. No. He'll serve Jesus to get you, and once he got you, he'll leave Jesus. You're not called to be anyone else's best friend other than your spouse's. 
If your best friend before you got married doesn't understand this or takes offense at you for developing a closer relationship with your spouse, then she needs or he needs the gospel too. There cannot be a third person in a marriage covenant. The only third person is God. If you have a best friend that you share the most intimate details of your life with other than your spouse, that's a red flag, my friends. Now, you might not start off by being, or you might not think that you married your best friend, but you certainly have to become best friends. You need to reserve that space for that person that you are married with. Do not compromise on your values or on your obedience to Jesus just to get someone. Last red flag, number four, is when you have to jump into the next relationship to be able to move on. Man, I think these red flags I shared today weren't, weren't the little cute ones that you get on social media. You know, they're them big ones that they fly, you know. Some people don't even wait for the old, re, re, old relationship to fully stop before they hit, hit, hit on into the new relationship. That's a red flag. You don't need a new relationship to heal from the previous one. You don't need a new relationship to find purpose or moving forward. You don't need a new relationship to be a valid person in society. You don't need a relationship to count. Just because he dropped you doesn't mean that you're not valuable. He dumped you. It doesn't. You can heal in God. Listen to me. You can heal in your relationship with God. And in relationship with friends that are Christ-centered. And you can discover who you are, whose you are, and why you are here without having to jump into a next relationship. In fact, you will discover that more readily when you are not in a relationship. When you did not jump into the next relationship is what I meant to say. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, like godly, fulfilling, romantic relationships, purpose-led relationships. That is something that is on God's heart, that is on God's mind. Set your mind on such things rather than on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God in fact if you try to, to 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 fix your life or find fulfillment in your life in any other way you'll find death instead because your life is hidden in Christ there is no life for you outside of Christ any longer anything you try to attempt outside of him will lead to eventual destruction and that's why the call is for you to set your mind, set your heart on the things that are above where Christ is. Because that's where your life is hidden. And he says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I believe this is progressive. 
I believe this isn't one day in the great by and by. I believe that as we see him, we become like him. As I behold him, as I pursue him, as I try to understand who he is, I become more and more like him. Like when we, we sang this morning, all I need is you. It is true. It is true. We really only need Jesus. You need to see the face of God again. You don't need any other power. You don't need any other presence but the presence of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And if you pursue that, you'll become like that. You'll become healthy, healed. You'll become purposeful. You'll become strong. You'll become influential, effective. Because those are all the things that God is. But if you start pursuing something different that is is actually a different image, then that's going to lead to destruction. Somewhere along the line, it's going to bite you. So I want to end off today saying this about singlehood. Kind of like my counsel for singlehood, right? And hear me out carefully because I really, I really believe what I'm saying here is, 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 is based on what I've shared with you. I'm not against dating. But I'm actually more for going on dates without the need for an emotional attachment just yet. I'm not against the next relationship either. But I'm, I'm more for blocking our time to rediscover who you are in Christ. And once you've done that, say yes to the next relationship within the parameters of what we shared. I'm not against you serving the person or getting close to or, 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 or um, adjusting to the person that you're, you know, that special person in your life that you want to be a partner to. But I am more for you serving Christ's purpose on your life and seeing how that complements one another's calling. And I'm not against romance. I will go as far as saying that I think I am more romantic now than I was when I was younger. <laughs> uh, that was a huge risk, okay? <laughs> Just anyone out there, man, come on. How's that for, uh, you know, confidence? <laughs> um, I'm not against romance. I love romance. But I'm more, for, I'm more for discovery and disclosure before I start pouring out romance. Romance is expensive. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying. Any, any, any hopeless romantics in the house? None, right? Okay. <laughs> Maybe one. Why? Because romance is expensive. It's, 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 it, it takes energy and it takes... <clears throat> It takes emotions, <laughs> men. It's like I need to get all gooey or something, you know. It's expensive, so be careful how you pour it out. 
I would rather encourage you to become progressively more romantic over the span of your life than to be so romantic when you're a teenager that you just exhaust all your romance, like, you know, all your romance ability. And I really believe that if you would do this, not only will you live fulfilled in your singlehood, but you'll also set yourself up to be in the best possible position to meet somebody that'll match your intentionality about God and about serving each other's purposes. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. And what's that last part? Who have been called according to His purpose. If you do not walk in God's purpose for your life, so many of what God intended for your life is missed. But walking in His purpose sets you up, puts you in places that you didn't plan to be in. We call that the favor of God, which is just all over me. I just walked into something without even working for it. It all just worked out. It was like it was pre-planned. It was like it was destiny. (laughs) Why? Because you were walking in the purposes of God. So, Red flags and dating. Get yourself ready God's way. And if you do, you will have understood who you are because you know whose you are. You will know your value. You will know that you don't need nobody to complete you. You don't need a compromise. You don't need to wait. And you don't need to just get into the next one. Wait for your purpose to start. You don't need to just get into a new relationship to move on. You'll understand who you are and what you're here to do. That will lead to an absolute joy-filled, purpose-filled, peace-filled life. That when God chooses to match that with somebody and bring somebody next to you, it'll be like a match made in heaven. Why? Because both of you have become heavenly. Both of you have had the kingdom of God impact your own lives so much that now the kingdom is, is is just multiplied in the relationship. We always say this, but marriage don't diminish whatever exists before marriage. It actually amplifies whatever existed before marriage. So if you, if you had an issue before marriage, that issue will become bigger in marriage. And that's why the quest is for singlehood, is to become more like Christ and to walk out that purpose, that reason for why He has put you here. So I want to encourage you. Maybe you're, a, you're young. Maybe you're a, a teenager and, and, and you're just starting to see these things happen, you know, relationships, and your friends are getting in relationships, and you're wondering, should I be getting into a relationship? The answer is no. A relationship will not add anything more to your life than, than what God can add to your life at this point. In fact, it'll keep you from fully discovering who you are and what God has called you to do. Because you'll start adjusting to another person's wishes and desires, and you're doing it way too soon in life. So I will tell you, just go have fun. Go on dates. Go enjoy things. Be with friends. But don't commit your heart. Don't awaken the affections of your heart just yet. Just give it a little while. 
so your identity is formed well. There is nothing that is taken from you if you're not in a relationship. There's nothing that you should be doing, shouldn't be, well, how do I want to say it? You can do everything that you should be doing outside of a relationship. And whatever it is that you shouldn't be doing, <laughs> that you need a relationship for, it'll keep you from that too. But in all things, pursue Jesus and the purpose he has on your life. And lead him, let him and his purpose lead and guide you to what or to who comes next. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your grace. In times when we're confronted with things that we probably all messed up in, me included. Holy Spirit, thank you that above all of our mistakes stands a father that's putting out his hand and saying, here, come, let me help you up. You got this. Let me give you another shot at it. Father, your never-ending grace astounds us. But we know, God, this is one area that you want us to get right. You want us to know that we belong to you and we get our identity from you. And when we understand that and start walking in it, you'll put somebody next to us to amplify that. Because this is all about you. And it's all about your kingdom. So thank you for today, God. Thank you for a moment of sober discussion. And I pray for every person here today that is single for whatever reason, maybe season of life or tragedy or choice. I pray, God, that these words will penetrate deep into their hearts, that they will heed these red flags and make sure that they, that they dig deeper into you and find their true identity and value in you. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.